How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. In this episode, we're talking what matters most from the Sunday slate of week one in the NFL. If you guys listened to the show last year, you know the drill. We're going to go through every single game that happened in the afternoons on Sunday, the early and the late slate. We're going to tell you what matters most for every single team. We're going to give some draft angles, but also some big picture stuff as well. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers joining you for a post-week one show for the first time in the 2023 NFL season. If you guys were listening to the podcast last year, you know the drill. It's that same format. We're going to give you what matters most from every single game. Now, we're recording this during Sunday Night Football, so we're missing Sunday Night Football analysis and, of course, Monday Night Football analysis as well. But we'll give you Thursday Night Football. We'll talk about the Detroit Lions and the Kansas City Chiefs and then all of the games that happen in the early and afternoon slates of Sunday. And we will tell you what matters most from each of those games. Connor, how the hell are we feeling after seven hours of commercial-free football for the first time in 2023? I mean, shout out to Scott Hansen, man. My goodness, he he brought it today. It was awesome. Feeling great. Uh, the, four, the finish to the four o'clocks, like that's when the heart great started to really yeah it started to get going and i was like i mean what like you think you'd just be like okay how many times have we seen this before but really i mean it was incredible that finish we had a lot of good games in that slate we also got to see a lot of interesting you know some bad weather games some surprises it's just so great that nfl football is back dude what else is there to say when i was writing down my notes for each game it just felt so good to have a full slate to go through. Yeah, we're going to try to stick to the format a little bit more this year than we did <laughs> last year. We know that we did like a what matters most, but it became a running joke amongst you guys listening to the podcast. It's like, oh, what matters most? Here's eight things that matter yep. most because we just like to talk about football so much. But we're going to try to stick to the format because we want this to be a little bit faster paced. We want to have a big takeaway for you guys to listen to because like mainly this is an NFL draft podcast. Yeah, of course, like we're going to talk about general NFL because what happens in the NFL week to week goes very far into what will end up happening on draft weekend. But we do want to have those takeaways for you. And sometimes they're going to be draft, more draft focused than other Absolutely. times. Like we'll, we'll talk about teams that, of course, if they're, it looks like they're going to need a QB, we're going to talk about that plenty. Like, okay, well, this team's starting to look like a playoff team. So they're going to be picking back of the order versus at the front of the order. And so- a lot of things to get to. We won't be able to hit every single point here with week one, but there's a ton of excitement and we definitely want to dig into it. We can just start with Thursday night football though. I know it's a couple of days away. Everybody's had some time to digest the Lions huge upset going into Arrowhead. I know, I know Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey didn't play in it, but I'm not taking anything away from Dan Campbell of the Lions. That was a yeah. fun as hell game to kick off the season. Connor, what was your, what matters most from the Lions win? in Kansas City. I think for me with looking at Detroit, I think and I know the internet was not a fan of this. I think the Gibbs Montgomery dynamic is great. 
I really do. And I Let's hear it. They're, they're gonna work. They're gonna ramp up Gibbs's touches. I mean, people shouldn't be freaking out. It's week one. It's the dude's first real NFL regular season game. But I think there's something too, and I say this a lot, and you see a lot of the really good teams in the NFL do this. Being careful with a guy out of the gate, especially a guy that is, you know, was under 200 pounds at the combine. You see how special he is when he touches the ball, the explosiveness, the acceleration, shot out of a cannon. But I also think there's a dynamic there in Detroit where Montgomery's hard-nosed running style, trying to tackle Montgomery and trying to tackle Gibbs are such different experiences. Because if you kind of blink with Gibbs, he's run by you. But if you hesitate against Montgomery, he can roll right over you. And I think the Lions, as they wait for Jamison Williams to get through the suspension, they are a very Amon Ross St. Brown volume team. And it was good to see Sam Laporta get off to a hot start because they're going to need him. I think the dynamic of how they use those two backs and most importantly, protect Gibbs because he's such an important player to every aspect of their offense I think it's smart. I think it's really smart. And I think that might be one of my rare contrarian takes. I know people were not happy about this. They felt like they should have just unleashed Gibbs. And I think that day will come. But I think this is a very smart offensive coordinator that has proven himself and a team that is being wise with the young player. And the Lions got the win. It ultimately worked at the end of the day. So I love the dynamic they have between those two. And I have no problem with how the usage started out. And I think they'll learn or walk that fine line very, very wisely this season. Yeah, look. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Fantasy football is very popular, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's my every, main living almost, you know, you're right. Monday to so, Friday uh, on so NBC. I'm not going to say anything bad about fantasy <laughs> right. football at all whatsoever. Uh, shout out to uh, the people paying. Connor's mortgage. Uh, but oh, look, <laughs> if I, I, I had that, one, <laughs> we obviously get a little bit carried away at the beginning of the season. You know, I think a little bit to the Atlanta game, right? Everybody's freaking out about the Atlanta Falcons. Drake London gets one target playing right. 90% of the snaps for the team, right? Uh, Tyler Algier still gets the goal line touchdowns for that group, despite drafting Bijan Robinson, uh, number eight overall this past April. And so I think people kind of freak out about some of the stats and usage, especially when it comes to the early parts of the season, but these teams are just trying to win in any way possible, right? I mean, if Jameer Gibbs doesn't slip and fall and actually gets into the end zone on that no camera. Like, right, right. Are we having this conversation at all whatsoever? No, we're not. I I don't think we are. So I thought the lions did a nice job ramping him up. I thought that you could see signs of like, Hey, here's how we're going to use this guy as a receiver. Hey, here's how we're going to use him. you know, to the field side of things. We're going to use his speed. We're going to draw the defense in one way. He's going to be able to cut it back and go the other way. Like you already saw, I think little signs of that. It's not all going to manifest itself in one single game one game especially week one does not define who you drafted these rookies to be so i think jameer gibbs time even getting the lion's share of the carries and the touches in the game plan like that's all coming so i I would agree with you totally he's their alvin Kamara, and that that to me is wildly exciting if i'm a lions fan yeah so i i did want to say my 
what matters most, I'll go to the Chiefs, talk about the Chiefs in a second. But I did want to shout out the Lions defense, man. Levi was Rike, Aline McNeil, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Jack Campbell making hell, hell of a yeah. playing coverage already, right? I mean, what CJ Gardner Johnson was able to do from the safety spot, like this defense is a lot better than it was last year. And you and I talked about it on this very show. If the Lions even just had like middle of the pack defense, we're talking about obviously a team that would have made the playoffs last year in the NFC. And I think that's the road that we're on now for them to go into Kansas city and defeat the Kansas city chiefs, I think is a big deal, even with their two stars out now getting to my, what matters most. I'm glad that you hit on the lions. Cause I'm gonna hit on the chiefs a little bit here. I'm not trying to get clipped on TikTok or a motivational video, but for as long as Kelsey and Chris Jones miss time. And I would even tell you, even when Kelsey comes back, because what he hyperextended his knee, right? I mean, like hyperextending your knee to me isn't something like, all right, you're good one week. You're like, you're, you know, no. we're good to go. We're 100%. That feels like it's something that might be in the back of his mind, might make him a little bit hesitant. So even when they get Kelsey back, and I want the dude to be 100% fully healthy as much as anybody else like that connection between Mahomes and Kelsey it's hall of fame worthy that's where both of these guys are headed but with the situation as it currently is with Chris Jones clearly getting more value by the day as much as he sits out and he's talked about sitting out at least until the middle of the season and with Kelsey still up in the air we haven't seen him play come back from injury yet that receiving quarter was horrible on Thursday I don't think Kadarius Tony is going to have a repeat of like 18 drops in a single game. Like I think it has to be better than that just from a numbers perspective, but for as tough as the schedule that the chiefs have and for them being in the conference and in the division that they are in still think the chiefs are absolutely a playoff team, but it might not be this 14, you know, 13 win team. Like we've seen in years past, like the chiefs might get in with like, 11 wins or something like that. Now, is that going to make them any less of a juggernaut when they get there? No, probably not. And certainly if they're healthy and have both of those stars back, it's going to be all a moot point. But the Chiefs might just not might not be this guaranteed lock of a win every single week, especially playing in the AFC until they get those two star guys back. It might be a little bit of a, a little bit more of a struggle and a work to get those W's than we've seen in years past. They might become like your Tampa Bay Lightning. Where oh, don't do this to me. What are you doing? Come on. No, no, no. What, it's it's not a bad we, thing. What are, we, what are we six minutes into the podcast? Yep, and it's it's hockey time. Uh so especially in September, great time for hockey talk. You know, where they might limp a little bit into the play or throughout the season, but they care about when it's playoff time that Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and everybody's healthy and rolling, and they are at you know. Obviously, always going to be the favorite in those situations where they don't. It just doesn't have to be perfect for the Chiefs. The last thing I wrote for the Chiefs was the Chiefs didn't have their best defensive player, their best non-Mahomes offensive player, are working in young pass catchers and still lost by one point to a team expected to win their division. Right, right. But you're right. The wide receiver thing is worth watching. And if they are the Chiefs that we even projected them to be going into the season with Jones and with, with Travis Kelsey fully healthy, by the time January rolls around, like they'll be good to go. But yep. All I'm saying is, and the thing that matters most is, especially for the first half of the schedule, if Chris Jones is really going to hold out that long, and for as much as that might be Kelsey not at 100%, those teams that have the Chiefs on the schedule, 
that might not be a guaranteed loss anymore. That's kind of how things right. could change to me in the playoff picture and even the NFL draft picture. So Chiefs schedule moving forward. They got the Jags in Jacksonville next week. They host the Bears. They go to New York to face the Jets. They go to Minnesota. They host the Broncos. They host the Chargers. Then they go to Denver. And then they host the Dolphins. Those are the those are the next eight games for them. So there are some teams in there where, sure, healthy Chris Jones, healthy Travis Kelsey, you go, yeah, easy dope. Maybe it's not as easy. That's all I'm saying. Maybe they pick up a couple extra losses. And maybe, more importantly, they give a couple of teams wins that they might not have been planning on going into the season. So those are our what matters most from that game. Uh, let's start the Sunday slate talking about the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. This game was drunk. It was wet indeed. It was raining on and off in Cleveland. This game was in Cleveland. The Browns win it 24 to three and Connor, the, this is just some of the most non-Bengals offense stats you're ever going to see. Okay, Joe Burrow went 14 for 31, 82 total passing yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Jamar Chase had five catches on nine targets for just 39 yards, led the team. T. Higgins, this is a crazy stat of the week, without question, the crazy stat of the week. T. Higgins got eight targets, zero catches, zero yards. That was nuts to me. Higgins like didn't even look like he wanted to be out there, man. It was a little weird. I won't pretend to watch it that I watched every single snap of this game. I didn't. But like when they were cutting to a Higgins target, it looked like he did like barely even wanted to be out there. I don't know what was going on. Obviously, Joe Burrow doesn't play the preseason. He was coming off the calf injury. You know, Burrow's week one last year was super shaky as well. And then week two on, I mean, they were just rolling. It was totally fine. It was water on the bridge. So maybe that's what's going to happen again. But dude, what was your what was your what matters most from this game? I wrote down for the Bengals that Burrow will be fine. He didn't have a summer. He did not have a summer. He did not have a training camp. He didn't have a preseason. He was... Not a real game time decision. You can kind of hear following, you know, Zach Taylor's press conferences this week that it seemed like he was going to play, but they just wouldn't officially say that until pretty close to before the game, uh, like two days before the game. But I'm just not worried at all about the Bengals. I'm really, really not. It was a very wet game. Both quarterbacks never looked really comfortable. Yeah. I think Burrow, we've kind of seen this before. Remember how slow of a start he got off to last year. They just have so much talent. It would just really, really surprise. I think what matters most is that Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense will be completely fine. Good win for the Browns. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Good win for the Browns. Yeah. Uh, in some ways. I mean, notably, uh, you know, I'd run down Miles Garrett. Easily can win defensive player of the year. He was unblockable in this game. He's unblockable pretty much every week, but the most important thing is that I still think the Bengals are one of the favorites in the AFC. And we, we have seen this for, from them before. And it's like, it's the one game where it's like, I don't want to have an overreaction to this game. Yeah. For, certainly for the Bengals side, you've seen too much good Bengals football over the last couple of years to allow yourself to overreact like that for the Browns. Obviously it's a huge win. Awesome win for them. Uh, especially in one of what we call the tightest divisions in the NFL, maybe the toughest division in the NFL to Good come roster. out and to beat the Bengals, who I think would are probably the odds-on favorite 
for most people that you would ask to win this division to get a win against them, I think is, is really huge. And you mentioned the defense defense had an unbelievable performance. I mentioned from some of the blundering numbers that the Bengals had, well, who was forcing all that? It was the Browns defense. So it's not just a, what happened to the Bengals. It's a tip of the cap to what the Browns were able to do uh, on defense. And so that unit, you have to give some praise to my, what matters most though, is that even though the Browns got the win, and I hate to be negative here because I don't like doing this to start the season, but the Browns are in the same spot to me because Watson looked bad. Now I get it. It, it was, it was rainy and the adjusted completion percentage was a lot better than the raw completion percentage. Uh, and you figure some drops kind of went into that. And if the weather was a little bit better, maybe things would have looked a little bit more crisp, but he just still was not looking confident was late to reads, was hesitant, just bad throws, some bad decisions. He had a couple of big-time throws in this one, but, man, it just... I'm sitting here wondering at what point is the Houston Texan version of Deshaun Watson not showing up? And I'm not saying that that's going to be the case. I don't know, but it just feels like we... We gave last last year was a complete pass with everything that had happened with Watson and, and why he wasn't playing and and the, the timing of it and all of that stuff. Like people just threw that year out the window and they said, no, no, no. I mean, he's going to he's going to be much better this year. This wasn't better. This wasn't better. So now no. to me, you are officially starting the timer of. Is Houston Texans version of Deshaun Watson never showing up because if it's not then we're also good. I, I don't want to sit here and ask. I, th- this defense is too good, man. Right. It's, it's, it's such a shame that this defense is getting wasted on bad quarterback play. And the run, seen they can run the ball for the last four or five years. Yeah. Not right. to mention, obviously what they can, what they can do on the ground. So that's my, what matters most is the timer has started to when we need to start answering the question of, if Houston Texas version of Deshaun Watson is just not going to come for the, for the, for the Cleveland Brown long season, long season, but we have to start the timer now because of what we saw this week. And we've said that this isn't new. I mean, we said last year, he, he didn't look good, but you give the classic like, okay, let's see if he's shaking the rust off situation. Um, But now this year it's going to be, there will be reactions game by game and game one was bad. It was wet out. It was tough to throw the ball, but, he couldn't throw the ball. He's, I just, man, even when he escapes from the pocket and buys himself all this time, the danger or the threat of him making those plays as soon as the ball leaves his hand is, does not look the same. I, I think Deshaun Watson gets analyzed differently and because he deserves to, he makes almost $50 million a year and he has an unprecedented contract in the NFL. I mean, look at the extension Joe Burrow just got. It, still wasn't Deshaun Watson's in terms of the guaranteed money. The Browns did everything they could, including taking a horrific PR hit in the process because they felt like if they had a top, I don't know, eight quarterback and they paid him to be more than that, they could win a Super Bowl. And when you look at their roster, they have a guy that can win defensive player of the year. I thought their corners played really well. They have a great offensive line. They have one of the best running backs in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They have a play caller that absolutely knows, in my opinion, how to dial it up. The it feels like the anchor right now is Deshaun Watson yep. with the Browns, and it's something that it, are the Browns going to sneak into the playoffs, or are the Browns going to be one of the biggest threats in the AFC? 
That's on Deshaun. It's on Deshaun Watson. Literally, it is on Deshaun Watson. No, I I agree. I agree completely. Um, so yeah, Bengals. We're not overreacting. Big shout out to Jim Schwartz, defense coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, pitching an absolute beauty. Oh, they were phenomenal. That defense was incredible. But yeah, I, we're still sitting here with quarterback question for Cleveland. Um, and to me, that's what matters most from that one. New Orleans Saints and the Tennessee Titans. Look, just because the Titans are projected to have a top five overall pick doesn't mean they're going to be an easy out. That is not in Mike Vrabel's no, DNA. Sir. In New Orleans, Saints do pick up the win 16 to 15. Derek Carr's debut, he throws for over 300 yards. Chris Olave had over 100 yards receiving. Rashid Shahid was awesome. I mean, he is growing into a fantastic wide receiver um Tannehill, not so good but we'll get to that when i get to my, what what matters most on my end but what mattered most to you from the new orleans saints win over the titans so i cheated because the saints win i wanted to give them one good as much as the bad is kind of something i'm really focusing on with them the good real quick i, I just love the player rashid rashid shahid is growing into i mean yes. to me he's, the, he's their future number two across from Olave. we had to pick sleepers for fantasy football happy hour and i have like planted a flag on this guy because you just look at it and you go, if Michael Thomas doesn't hold up over the whole season and clearly then if he does, he is still a huge part of this offense. He's awesome. What a great I, story. I, his road is right now. I loved how much they got all three of those guys involved. 10, tar- job. 10 targets for Chris Olave, six targets for Rashid Shahid, eight targets for Michael Thomas. Olave had 112 yards. Shahid had 89 yards and uh michael thomas at 61 yards like to me that's a great day at the office passing like that is what yep. will be the formula for them to score in the 20s and 30s every single week is when you were able to distribute the ball like that because all three of those guys have skill sets that can really put stresses on the defense i think even still michael thomas i really do believe that so i'm glad that you gave them a shout out there because she he was awesome the one thing though i wrote down i'm starting to wonder if trevor penning can play right like is he if he is he going to grow into the player that this Ooh. team used the resources on to draft him? He allowed two sacks and three more hurries in this one. I mean, Trevor, it, it was big time draft capital put into this player to be the future anchor of their offensive line, and I thought it was scary. In my opinion, today it was yeah. it was pretty scary. And the Titans have a great front. Don't get me wrong, but you got to at least be competitive. I think against those great fronts and you know, they, they, they obviously extended Ruiz who was, who was also an up and down guy today. They've used big capital and Trevor Penning. They really need this young offensive line to step up. And it, it was scary hours out there for me. Titans. I mean, Titans, Titans defensive line is nice. Oh yeah. Um, obviously you've got, um, Jeffrey, Simmons, Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons, who's the anchor, who's a monster. You know, they have Arden Key now. They have um, Danico Autry. Uh, you know, Harold Landry obviously has been fantastic when he's been healthy. Um, and so it's not like it's 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 a terrible defensive line they're going no, up good. against. It's quite good. I'm looking at some of the initial pass blocking grades. And when we, anytime we do a show on Sunday night, like these grades could certainly change because there's a lot of rechecks that happen. But like the initial grades, you know, in the 30s for Trevor Penning and Cesar Ruiz for pass blocking. It's in the 40s for Eric McCoy and James Hurst. You know, Ryan Ramchick had a good game. He was in the 80s. But we've got, in it, initially, we have six pressures allowed from Trevor Penning and two sacks, four hurries, that 15.4 pressure percentage. 
you're right. It's just straight up got to be better. I mean, he was he was a lot better in run blocking, but there's a lot of great, offensive like, linemen that could be great at run blocking. You know, that's just, <laughs> that that job is simply being strong, using good leverage, and displacing a guy from his spot. You know, I'm not. I, I I don't mean to oversimplify it, but you got to have a lot of technique and patience and awareness and everything to be a good pass blocker. And it's just, yeah, it hasn't been in Penning's wheelhouse so far. So I agree. Now top 20 pick. Um, it's gotta be better. What would you have in this one? So my, what matters most is, uh, I, th- I think we're going to see Will Levis a lot sooner than we thought we were going to this season. He was a healthy scratch today, I believe. Correct. They had um, he was Malik they, Willis was active today, and they had Malik Willis active as the QB two. But you know, I, I don't think the leash is going to be too short for Ryan Tannehill because he has done so much for this team. Mike Vrabel obviously loves the guy. He's a veteran in the room. He's a leader there, and you don't just bench guys like that, especially before you know that your season might be over. And Lord knows a, a Vrabel coach team is going to believe that they're in it until they're mathematically eliminated. But Ryan Tannehill was horrendous today that's a good new orleans saints defense yeah but ryan Tannehill was bad he threw three interceptions in this game and we have as an in, initial grading we have him with five turnover worthy plays like that is just you're you are losing the game for your team yep no question about it especially this one was it this is a one point contest and you had five turnover worthy plays i mean that just cannot be he was 16 for 34 with 198 yards, no touchdowns, and then those three interceptions, man. I just, it, you you can't have, I don't think they're all going to look nearly that bad because Ryan Tannehill, I think, is too smart of a quarterback. But even if you eliminate the bad, for the most part, if you can't give them the big-time throws, like if you can't give them the other side of the good, you got two quarterbacks on the roster who might be able to do that. And Malik Willis looked a lot more comfortable and a lot more confident this preseason than he ever had last year. And I understand it's preseason, but we get four or five games into this thing. They're going to give Malik. I think they're going to give Malik Willis the ball. And then they're probably going to give Malik, right. A good amount of time. Cause clearly they don't think that Levis is ready yet, but we might, the reality still exists where we might get to see Will Levis around the same timeline that we saw Sam Howell last year for the Commanders, maybe even a little bit earlier, right? We might get to see Will yep. Levis in December, and I really was not sure that that was going to be the case going into the season based on where he was in the depth chart and kind of how they were talking about him. So I think my big takeaway is I think we're going to get a good look at Malik Willis, and we might even get a, a decent look at Will Levis by the time the season is over in Tennessee. Wouldn't shock me. I mean, we know Vrabel is Vrabel, rightfully so, is always going to think they're in it. Um, but Tannehill, it's just that was a tough one. He was staring down everything today. He was yep. staring down everything today. And like we said, Tennessee defense is very, very good where you can't have a quarterback that's going to give away games. So that takes us. Where do you want to go next? Uh, let's do let's do let's do Bucks Vikings, baby. Okay. Huge win. Yeah, massive huge, massive win for huge dub the to start bowls baker bucks to start the next 10 years of baker mayfield in yep. tampa bay baby um bucks pick up this win on the road in minnesota 20 to 17 baker mayfield 21 for 34 passing 173 passing yards two touchdowns no interceptions um on the other side of things 
Uh, it's incredible that they didn't win the game with the stat line, but Kirk Cousins was 33 for 44 with 344 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Justin Jefferson had nine catches for 150 yards on 12 targets. Jordan Addison also had four catches for yeah. 61 yards and a touchdown. So I, you know, you just look at those bo- the box score and you even go to rushing. Rashad White for the Buccaneers had 39 total rushing yards on 17 carries. It was a 2.3 yards per carry average um seth walder who works for espn tweeted out that rashad white had a negative 38 uh rushing yards above expectation which was i don't remember what he said but like one of the lowest scores (laughs) they've ever they've ever had so tampa couldn't really run they sort of could pass especially in the second half good job by them uh, but then you look on the other side of things and it felt like Minnesota was absolutely stuffing the stat sheet. And yet Tampa comes away with a big dub. Uh, what was your, what was your what matters most Connor? So this is the rare one where I will ask a question of the, by the way, the, I've had the giants game on. I just have to do this mid pod. I have to do this. I've had okay. the giants game on in the background. Okay. There has been I don't a blocked that. field goal brought back for a touchdown. What? And now I popped up pick six this is all for the cowboys the cowboys have a pick six they have a blocked field goal for a touchdown they almost had a third touchdown on the drive before this it is like just pure chaos going on behind me in this game but anyways to stay on stay on what matters most trevor i wrote down the bucks defense will help them scrap together wins this year is that good um <laughs> it's a genuine question uh, I don't really know. <laughs> you're, you are, you are a pretzel right now. Well, I don't really know how to answer <laughs> that because on the surface level, I would tell you no, right. I would tell you that it's, it's probably a more streamlined path to having a Super Bowl window. If the team is bad this year, especially if the quarterback class that's upcoming is as good as we think that they're going to be. Um, and I also think that winning sort of complicates things because there's a reason why they haven't given, Mike Evans, a new contract yet. There's a reason right. why they didn't give Devin white a new contract yet. Right. It's, it's because they don't know where they're going to be when the new league year rolls around for 2024, because if Baker Mayfield plays really well, I mean, Baker Mayfield's on a nothing contract for them right now. If the bucks win nine games and make it as a wild card team somehow, you want to pay Baker a lot of money. You're probably, you know, you're not signing him to like a five, six year deal, but you're signing him to a pretty hefty three year deal. The Gino deal is yeah, that? I mean, what we're ba- I mean, it's I don't know if it, I don't know if it would be exactly right. what Gino got, but then all of a sudden, if you do that, are you probably not bringing Mike Evans back? Are you probably letting Devin White walk? Can you bring Antoine Winfield Jr. back? Like, you know, you're, yeah, you know, you're going to bring Tristan worse back. So you have to do that. And I think the same is with Antoine Winfield jr. But then you're probably saying goodbye to Mike Evans. You're probably saying goodbye to Devin white. If they're not moving money around in different ways, which some bucks fans might like that, but it's a really complicated question because it's a lot easier to think there's a path to super bowl contention if they lose enough games to get a great quarterback in this draft. But I agree with you that I think the defense is just straight up going to be too good under Todd Bowles to be yeah. close to that anyways. 
So it's they're they're just in a really, really interesting spot that you just have to wait to see how it plays out. I don't know what Jason Light, their general manager, has up his sleeve when it comes to the contracts. I don't know what the plan is behind the scenes. They know a lot more of the numbers than I do. But um I wonder if Tampa looks back on this in four months and goes, damn. If only we would have dropped that one to the Vikings, maybe the draft position's a little bit better. Maybe you're in a different spot, but I think they beat the Bears next week. I also think they beat the Bears next week. Yeah. So I just they just your feel... NFC South <laughs> division leader. Yeah. Did we do know. Vikings? No. So my you have Vikings. My, yeah. My one thing that matters most was actually for the Vikings, and it goes back to a conversation that we had last week. I don't think this team is going to be inspiring enough to bring back Kirk Cousins. Whether it's 10 wins, whether it's eight wins, nine wins, I I think it's probably going to be somewhere within that wheelhouse for the Vikings. I mean, obviously, if it's below 500, they wouldn't bring Kirk back anyways. But even I'm saying even if they get nine, 10 wins, and even if they sneak in as a wild card team, I don't think the Minnesota Vikings are going to be inspiring enough for them to extend a contract to Kirk. So going to the draft angle, like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you're going to hear us mock a quarterback to the Minnesota Vikings a lot on this show. At least when I'm controlling the Vikings, that's that's what I'm going to do because that was that was my big takeaway from this team. Listen, I, I I think they kind of feel it a little bit when you look at how they've dealt with Kirk's salary over the years. I think they've they've been bracing for that, and I think they're they're such a fascinating team because they're not a bad team. They're not an overly good team. But they will win enough games that they won't have a shot at Caleb, Drake, May, maybe even the third or fourth quarterback off the board. But at some point, they need to take somebody and not in the form of like Kellen Mond in the third round. They need to take somebody and be like, this is going to be the guy that's throwing to Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson for and Jordan Addison for a really long time because they think they got the coach. I think they got the skill guys. They're going to try to rebuild that defense. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. The Vikings are fascinating to me because they, this feels like the year. Like you said, it's what matters most to our show and how we talk about teams is that the Vikings are right at the front of this quarterback conversation in a good year to need a quarterback. You, um, you brought up Kellen Mond and that got my, that, that got me to thinking. And so now, unfortunately, Kellen Mond's going to catch a stray here. Oh, so in the 2021 NFL draft, we had five quarterbacks go in the first round. Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Fields, Mac Jones. Trask went 64 overall. Kellen Mond went 66 overall. Davis Mills went 67. So those guys went back at, very back of the second round and very early parts of the third round. I have thought about this over the last couple of weeks. You put all three of those guys in this year's quarterback class. I mean, like, what are we talking here? Sixth round picks? Mond is not on a team right now. Right, right. But I'm even I'm trying to even give him the benefit of the doubt, like right. pre-draft. Like, like oh, I think all man, those guys are right. like mid late day three picks. Yeah, that's in, a good point. In this upcoming quarterback class with as deep as it is. The depth of this class. I mean, you know what it's like. We we wake up on Sundays and you just try to watch as much tape as you can in the morning from the day before. And it's, it's jarring. It's jarring how deep the class is. So it's a good point. Didn't mean for them to catch a stray, but people always like to ask us like, Hey, how does this 
class, whether it's quarterbacks or wide receivers or whatever, compared to last year's class. They'll say like, hey, you know, like where would you put um, Michael Pratt in the last year's class? Like whatever it is. That's a, a way, that, an early way that I would quantify what we're talking about and how much the hype I think is real for this upcoming quarterback class is you've got guys in 2021 that were back into the second round and early part of the third round picks. And maybe they shouldn't have been even at the time because I was a little shocked even at the time. Yeah. But the league, the league was starving for quarterbacks. I think all three of those guys are like mid-day three, late-day three players in this upcoming quarterback class. Like it's not even close. Without a doubt. Um. Anyways, getting back to it. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, speaking of quarterbacks, Arizona Cardinals, Washington Commanders. Commanders win this one in Washington, 20 to 16. Not gonna it was lie. sweaty. <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> a lot closer than I it thought it would sweaty. be. The fight again. Dude, Mike Bidwell was... He was like, trying to. He was saying hey he was trying to make a call. Like, who's the owner in uh, in the draft day movie where he's just like pissed the whole time? Like, he wants to move up to number one and everything. Like, that's that's Michael Bidwell to me. This yeah. Season. Um, Howell goes nineteen for thirty one, two hundred two yards, one touchdown, one interception, gets the big dub. Uh, Josh Dobbs on the other side, twenty one for 30, 132 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. It's a very Dobbsian game. Sure. It's sure. kind of like that's kind of the stat line when Dobbs has to play. Hell, yeah, you can, like, make, hell, and, you can and, make a shitload of money doing that for like, 10 years. I feel like Dobbs is always in these like gutsy games. You yeah. Know? He gets called upon with almost no notice. It's like, hey, Josh Dobbs, you're starting today. Like, I feel <laughs> it's like, like I wasn't we... on the team three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> it's amazing. He deserves actually more credit when you think about <laughs> he it. Does, he does. Didn't he kind of like. Am I remembering his situation at Tennessee very similarly? Yes. Like, obviously, he was a starter. It's not like it's not like they said to him, like, hey, buddy, you're starting this week and you're going from, like, walk on to starting quarterback. But Oh, at college. Yeah, I was talking about with the Titans off the well, street. With the, well, with, no, 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 with the Titans. Actual for sure college, was. yeah. But college, I also felt like Dobbs was just always in these close games with the Vols. He's got to be tired, man. He's been in some exhausting battles, and he found himself in the middle of one today. He did. Uh, what was what mattered most for you from this game? So I know we're going to get into Howell on the commander's side. So I'll take a Cardinals one because the Cardinals are at the top of our draft conversation. They get Caleb Williams in every mock draft that you consume. I wrote down, I thought and it was a draft show, right? So I tried to be rookie-centric when I could. I thought Paris Johnson played really, really well. And keep in mind, this man might be blocking for Caleb Williams, who will be the most hyped up number one overall draft pick. Uh, it might like since maybe Andrew Luck, like he might surpass Trevor Lawrence. That's how crazy we could get by the end of this thing. Paris Johnson playing really well matters a lot this year. It matters yeah. a real lot this year. And I thought he looked the part. Yeah, I really did. I, I loved what I saw from him today. Yeah, obviously, we don't think it's going to matter in the win column this year, but I think Arizona... Let's look at the future pick, shall we? Doing this on the fly. I'm looking up Arizona Cardinals future draft picks. So the Cardinals have two first-round picks next year, a, a second-round pick, Three third round picks. Is this right? 
Yeah, you got one there, and then one. Oh, they're for the swimming in picks. Yeah, it's so like they a ball three, pit of picks. Three. <laughs> Just a McDonald's ball pit, baby. Uh, <laughs> the Cardinals have three third round picks, a fourth round pick, two fifth round picks. Don't pick in the sixth round. Hold your horses there. Man, COVID really made us reevaluate some things that exist, huh? Like, Wait, oh, you talking about ball pits? The ball pits. I don't think I was allowed to go in the ball pit. There's no kid. way. Do ball pits exist anymore? I, there's no way since COVID. There's no way. I mean, whichever, whatever ball pits survived COVID are yeah. an endangered species they're, now. Yeah, they're know? almost a relic. I don't know if that's the right word. But... They're a rarity. Like McDonald's that have ball pits should... They should like advertise that, right? Like it should be like Dis- essentially Disney World at this point. Right. We have a ball pit. And like, it, I mean, there might be people listening to this show that don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> Google it. Learn yourself. Ball pits uh, were some of the most high point joy of our childhood. Oh, it's get American chicken Ninja Mc- Warrior for kids. Bro, you get a chicken McNugget box, you absolutely slam that down. And then you go play in the ball pit while your mom yells, don't run too fast or you'll throw up. This is the glory days, dude. Uh, all right. So anyway, speaking of not throwing up, Howell did not look overwhelmed. He really didn't. I thought that he was ready for this moment. I thought he was ready. I thought he showed signs in the preseason of him being ready. I thought we saw signs from him last year at the end of the year when he got some playing time as well, that the NFL is not too big for this guy. You know, Connor, I, I I just wonder why he went in the fifth round. He's yeah, it's weird. He's a little bit more reserved. He's not as outgoing. And I know that coaches and GMs want to see this like natural alpha. And I don't know if that was Sam Howell, but you 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 couldn't have sat here and think that he was some system quarterback at UNC. It lit it up for two years passing, and they lit it up as a runner the third year. Yep. Like this dude could clearly play ball at the NFL level. Well, I just I just mentioned that Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, and Davis Mills were second and third round picks. How was Sam Howell a fifth round pick? I all due respect to Mond, Mills, and Trask who continue to catch strays from us on this show. Maybe it's not strays anymore. Maybe I'm just putting them straight down the barrel at this point. But it's weird. You're right. I, I just I don't know why this dude was a fifth round pick. And my what matters most is on one side of things with the Arizona Cardinals, we're going to be talking about quarterback nonstop. And going into the year, people potentially projected quarterback for a spot for Washington. And it's going to take a lot for me to get there. I think Howell's going to show enough promise this year, and I think that he's going to get improve enough to where. They're probably not going to be in that conversation. They're really not. So that was my what matters most. Maybe that's an overreaction Monday take, but that's my. I find myself rooting for Howell. I, I like his moxie. It's cool, dude. He, man, he's a little reckless at times, but I'm glad the commanders want to work through that with him. Like you can see in the red when he drops back. Like if the first guy he doesn't like, he's like, I'm, I'm running, and it's awesome. Like it's kind of crazy, but it's it is awesome to watch. Um. So I, I hope it works out for him. I hope they win some games, and I hope he gets a real chance there. And they're giving him every chance possible. All right, we uh, got. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say before, before we get on to the next game, got to talk to the people about our friends. 
over at DraftKings. Football is back and in full swing. We got another epic week of games coming up after this one. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? Well, of course, it's DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers, this is for everybody, not just new customers, all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action upcoming next week with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use the promo code PFF to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook using that promo code PFF. Get yourself some money this season. It's a lot of fun also when you guys have seen any of the game. The crown is yours this year. If you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling at 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football for terms of eligibility, terms and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. It's important you guys got to remember that. Eligibility and deposit restrictions do apply on all that. Let's do, ooh, Atlanta, Carolina. I feel like this one was spicy. A little NFC South matchup to start the season. The Atlanta Falcons are victorious. This one was in Atlanta, so they defend home turf. 24-10. to 10. This is also Bryce Young's first start. Uh, we got Brian Burns, who looked like he was one quarter in the NFL season, looked like he was about to win Defensive Player of the Year. He could have yeah. like sat out the rest of the games this regular season. He might have been on the final ballot. That's how well he was playing. And uh, a very interesting stat sheet and usage for the Atlanta Falcons. But, Connor, they came away with a big win. Is that what mattered most? Tell me what mattered most here from this game. I think so. I wrote down the Falcons will be like the ultimate training wheels offense, but Bijan mm. and their overall run game might be good enough that it's enough. I, I, I wrote, it's not good for Drake London or Kyle Pitts. People in fantasy are going to be pissed. It's, you know, obviously maybe you'd well, not, maybe you'd love the team to have a quarterback and trust in a quarterback to have more of an aerial aggressive attack. But Bijan is so good, and I think their run blocking is very good, that this is just who they are. And if the defense can get it together this year, and Jesse Bates, of course, had a day. Oh, boy. Like, the Falcons can win this division with that training wheels offense. What was was Bates' PF initial PF? Yeah, he had the two picks on Bryce. Bryce, I wrote Bryce learned the hard way. He had the two picks, right? And he, had, and he had forced fumbles, though. Oh, I didn't know he had two forced fumbles. He's either one or two. Well, he had okay, oh, 94.4. Let's go, yeah, baby. I mean, Jesse Bates was like, it's why they paid him. I mean, dude was awesome. Dude, that was sick. How many fumbles? How many forced fumbles did he have? Hold on. One. Hold on. We got it. Okay. He, all right. He only had one? That's what I saw. Oh, wow. Only one? Yeah, only Just one. Could have been better. one. Why don't you get those numbers up next week, Jesse? Why don't you defend the run? It's where football starts. Get your nose in there. I don't know if anybody told you. Uh, no, my what matters most is sort of similar to yours, although mine's a little bit more harsh. 
you said that this is the ultimate training wheels offense, but it's it's going to be successful. I agree with you completely, but I don't want to judge Desmond Ritter too hard because like this is the full season where we really are going to be able to evaluate him, I think, for a full 17 games. And I, I, I think for as much as people, myself included, would love to jump to conclusions to get the final answer on Desmond Ritter, uh, we don't have to do that. And in fact, that's that's it's not going to work out like that. You know that Arthur Smith um, and Terry Fontenot are not going to operate like that. They're not going to make a decision on their quarterback, I don't think, unless Ritter just goes full off the rails. They're not going to make a decision on their quarterback until this year's already over, no, no matter how far they go this year, whether it's playoffs or not. But it does look like, from what we saw last season and how the Falcons kind of came out of the gate, it does feel like this team is still a good upgraded quarterback away from being really, really damn good. Right. You know, if the Falcons, for this is, if the Falcons were somehow to get Drake May, I mean, this team's without question my pick to win the NFC South the next year. Like, all of a sudden, Falcons football gets fun as hell. Yeah, I'll be Ryan Tannehill next year, though. Just so you like, we can get that out of the way now. Come on, don't do that. Think of who's the coach. No, Michael Penix Jr. Oh, sign me up. Let's go. No, it's going to be Bo Nix. Everybody's going to be pissed except for me. (laughs) It is going to be except for me. Except for me. I'm just going to be sitting there with a Bo Nix sign in the stands. A foam finger. That's (laughs) just just a foam finger. Oh man, but it's a pumpkin-shaped foam finger. Oh no, it's too ah. far. No, but I, I do, I do think that the Falcons, they're gonna be just like the Lions. They're gonna be just like the Titans. They're not gonna give a shit about <laughs> any stats for no. any player as long as they win. It That's doesn't it. matter. It does not matter. Drake London played what? 90% of the snaps, Dude, I think. Oof. I think he played 90% of the offensive snaps today. One tar- one target. Zero catches. Yeah, it was pretty insane. You picked him number eight overall two years ago. That's the weird part, right? They don't care. No, they don't care. They, they don't. Here, the, thing, the thing with the Falcons is they don't draft for volume. They don't. They're just putting pieces together in the offense. And some weeks, Drake London's going to have 10 targets. Other weeks, clearly, I didn't think this was possible, but clearly he's going to have one target for zero yards, zero catches. But if they win, it doesn't matter. Arthur Smith is just the ultimate, I don't care about volume for any player. He does not go into games, I don't Besides Derrick Henry. That was it. And it's a whole life. Well, but I think... Henry was different because Henry right. was like all they had, you know, yeah. they had to build the entire offense around the volume of Henry. And that came with the play action work and then things to the tight ends. Like it all, it all went off of Derrick Henry. It, it, it doesn't, it's, it's not like that in Atlanta. They don't have a, even drafting Bijan Robinson. They're going to split time between Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier. Tyler yeah. Algier's running style is too kick ass for them to put him on the bench. They're not. They're just not going to give Bijan all these crazy carries. They're going to give him the football, and when they do, they're going to expect magic to happen. It's the same thing with Kyle Pitts. It's the same thing with Drake London. When they target these guys, it might be just a very few amount of times, but when they do, they're going to expect major results. But 
the Falcons offense is not this volume-based offense. I don't think for anybody. But if they get themselves a better quarterback, I think things change. And I think those numbers in all areas start to get a lot better. And maybe a year from now, we're talking about the Falcons in a different light, depending on who the quarterback is. Oh, yeah, Kyler Murray. When Kyler Murray is on the uh, Atlanta Falcons next year, it'll be a different story. There you go. Uh, Niners Steelers? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. So the Niners Steelers, Niners 30, Steelers 7. One of the bigger surprises of the day, right? Of how the lack of this game was not competitive at all. No. Which I mean, is second not, half, it, second half, yeah. it was like even, yeah. but the score was already out of reach. Yeah. You know? it, yeah. It was like, let's run this clock out. But yeah. Basically. Uh, what was your, what matters most from this one? Man, I wrote for the Niners, like two quick ones. I wrote, Ayuk can easily be the guy this year. Like we've had the Debo year. We've had the moments of Kittle. We know what McCaffrey's capable of. I look at Ayuk and he's just playing out of his mind and he had a thousand yards last year and it felt like nobody really cared. But if Ayuk has this kind of rapport with Brock Purdy and is run blocking his ass off in the run game, the way we saw today, I mean, this is a dude that can go for 1400 yards, 10 plus touchdowns, never come off the field in a Kyle Shanahan offense where like that's scary. Because you already have Kittle, you already have Christian McCaffrey, you already have Debo. And now Ayuk is going to be the player that we've always known he can be. He had a lot of things to clean up coming out of school. Actually, after watching this game, I purposely went back and watched like my initial reaction when we did the BR draft show to what I said about him. And I liked the pick. But I also was aware like he's gonna have to like polish his game. And now you're kind of seeing him age, like him marinate where he's looking like a refined player in an offense that requires that. And I mean, he he's legitimately could be a star this year. It was like, maybe it's a week one overreaction, but I thought he looked like a guy that was like, he's always been a good player. I thought he looked like an incredible player today. Yeah. He was always a really nice athlete at Arizona state. Yes. Like I felt he, he, there were certainly even times where he'd create a ton of separation with his routes, but it wasn't consistent. I think he's very consistent now. I think he's grown into that role and, and, He's even more than just a really good route runner now. I mean, he's a good deep threat. He was a great blocker, as we saw in that Christian McCaffrey run. Like, I, I think that uh, blossoming uh, is is the right word to use when you talk about Brandon Ayuk. And I don't think this is a up and down fluke for him. I think that he is here to stay as their wide receiver one on this team. On the flip side of things, my what mattered most. Yeah, I mean, the, the 49ers were absolutely dominant. I'm not worried about Kenny Pickett yet. Kenny Pickett really struggled with his accuracy and some of his decision-making today. Niners have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And of yep. course, like Pickett wants to get to the point where he's able to best the best defenses in the NFL. Just because he's not there yet doesn't mean that I'm totally worried about him or that I'm totally discounting what we saw certainly in the second half of last season. I think he'll be fine. This is one of the worst games I saw him from him from like an accuracy and decision standpoint. But as of right now, to me, it's an outlier. It's, it, it's not like, Oh, here we go. This is the, this is the real Kenny Pickett. Now I think there's a lot more evidence from, like I mentioned the second half of last season. And then of course, if you go back to his final year at Pittsburgh as well, there's more evidence to good quarterback play, good decision-making, good accuracy, good ball placement, things like that. So I am not worried about Kenny Pickett yet. 
No, it's too early. But I am worried, though, about... Like, they need to get Broderick Jones ready to play for this team. That's sure. my takeaway when I watch their offensive line. I thought Dan Moore had a really rough game. The, it, Kenny Pickett, who is a player that was so similar to Derek Carr when you're trying to find a ceiling comparison for him coming out, needs to be protected, and he was not in this dude, game. Dude, how about... How about TJ Watt in this game? I mean... TJ Watt had a 94.3 initial pass rush grade, three sacks, six total pressures, 23.1 pass rush win percentage. Yeah, he's insane. I mean, this it was not Pittsburgh's day, but this dude absolutely put himself in early defensive player of the year category with a performance from yep. what he had uh, against San Francisco. Um, Baltimore and Houston. Can we go to that game next? Yeah, for sure. So the Ravens win this one. I think most people believe the Ravens were going to win this one. It's in Baltimore. CJ Stroud's first start was on the road. Ravens win 25 to 9. Um, Lamar Jackson led the team in rushing, but with just 38 yards, went 17 for 22 passing, 169 yards um, through the air. Had some questionable throws. Zay Flowers. Oh, I didn't even realize that. I'm reading this for the first time now. Um, I feel like that Trump meme. Wow, you're telling me this for the first time. Uh, 10 targets, nine receptions. Let's go, Zay. He looked great. No, I, I the, the couple of times that I was able to watch him get the ball in his hands when I was watching uh, Red Zone, because I didn't have that one on locally. Uh, he looked awesome, but I didn't realize he had 10 targets. But it's Todd Munkin. Todd Munkin is going to put the ball in the dude's hands that has the best yard after catch ability. I thought Lamar didn't play well at all, and the Ravens won big. Like yeah. this was like a game where it's like Lamar. Lamar knew it. He was looking around like beating his chest. Like that fumble's on me. That's on me. Like it felt like it felt like a tune-up game in college football for the Ravens. Is that what mattered most, or did you, did you have a different? No, point? what mattered most to me watching the Texans is that it will be so hard to evaluate C.J. Stroud this year. They got a ton mm. of injuries on the offensive line. They didn't protect him. They don't have a ton of playmakers. Robert Woods kind of. <laughs> Came out of nowhere and my and man. Looked, yeah. I mean, what a career he's had. And it looked like it, we were at the end for him last year. Um, so good to see him have, you know, six catches, 57 yards. It's just so it's going to be so hard to evaluate Shroud in this offense. They are not only are they not healthy, which is a massive key for them on the offensive line it goes all the way down to Damian Pierce being able to get the run game going, but they just, they don't have a lot right now where it's, it's going to be like that in my opinion, all year for Stroud. My what matters most is is similar, but I'll sort of take a different angle with it. I, I agree with you completely. I think it's going to be a rough year for CJ, but I will say this. If Stroud can show even any sort of improvement this year through the toughness that it's going to take for him to show that improvement, uh, I think that the Texans will know that they've got a potential franchise quarterback on their hand because this year is going to be really rough. It's going to be really tough for him to progress. I agree with you completely. He was sacked five times today. He was hit 10 times. That's not even talking about pressures. I'm talking about QB hits. He was hit 10 times. And we know that the receiving core is not in the top half of the league, to put it lightly. If Stroud can survive this season and showcase mental toughness 
they're going to know they've got somebody that they could ride with. So I think that this is truly like going to be a trial by fire season for Houston. But if Stroud comes out the other side, and even if he's beat up, he's still standing. Um, They're going to know they got their guy. And I think that's going to be really important to him, especially for a player who's uh, the, the glaring part of his scouting report was dealing with pressure and how he played under pressure. That was something that we were really worried about going from Ohio state to the NFL. But I feel as though from what I've seen in the preseason and what I saw today, he is up for that challenge. He's not crumbling. And that to me is really, really important. So like I said, if he survives this year, they'll know that they got their franchise guy. I like it. And I'm with you. If you're going to be able to evaluate anything, like I said, it's hard to evaluate him this year. It's the mental toughness to get through a season like that. And this is a good start. I think this is the last of the 1 p.m. games that we have here. The Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Indianapolis Colts. Jags win this one 31 to 21. Although this is back and forth, man. This is a lot more back and forth than I thought. Uh, Lawrence ended up finishing the game with uh, 240 passing yards, two touchdowns. Calvin Ridley, man. Hell of a day for their first regular season connection. 11 targets, eight catches, over 100 yards, and a touchdown. He looked awesome. Travis Etienne had over four yards per carry. Uh, Jags obviously get the big win here. Anthony Richardson, I thought looked given expectations. Honestly, I thought he looked really solid. But I want to hear what your what matters most was from this game. So the we'll get into Richardson, right? Uh, for me with Jacksonville, I I've said, somebody was talking to me recently, and they were like, they were really very high on Jacksonville, and I was like, I. Listen, I like that projection. Jacksonville is going to be a team that's on the right trajectory. We saw that last year under Doug. But I I need to see this defense really crank it up. Because when you got to stop the big dogs in the playoff run, like we know Jacksonville's a good team in their division. We know Jacksonville's a playoff team. But when you got to run to Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, that gauntlet in the playoffs, you need to have a defense that really has some playmaking and some star talent. Tyson Campbell is the star that the Jacksonville defense needs. What I'm talking about that that's the the guy where I'm like they have a star on defense and a lot of people don't realize it because I don't know because maybe because he plays corner for Jacksonville I feel like all the coverage around Jacksonville is around Trevor Lawrence and uh, to a different scale because of fantasy ETN and Calvin Ridley but man Trevor this dude is just I know he had a great year last year and, and there was really times where he took over this game today Campbell had a sick forced fumble that was like you would, it was the kind of play that you would see from a middle linebacker where right. he's tackling a guy from the side and from behind and he just goes in he just rips the football out i mean you don't see that from corners that is i i feel like when i watch tyson campbell you are watching such a fierce competitor no matter yep. what he is asked to do in the moment and I think that that's huge, and I agree with you completely. I think they've got their CB1 there. I don't know. Maybe Jags fans will get on me for this, but I feel like I could take a victory with my um, Andre Cisco scouting report. Like, I loved Cisco coming into the NFL. I thought he was going to be a starting safety and a playmaking safety, and I feel like he has become that for Jacksonville. So I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm taking a little, I'm taking a little victory here on a, on that Andre Cisco. While we were on uh, Jacksonville's side of things, um, what was my one matter about? Oh, 
So my what mattered most, I'm glad that we talked about Jacksonville because my what mattered most does come from Indianapolis. And that is the fact that Anthony Richardson sure looked a hell of a lot more ready for the NFL than I think a lot of people were giving him credit for on draft night. I think a lot of people looked at Richardson's time at UF last year and they were like, this dude's going to be terrible in the NFL. There's no way you could start him right away. The accuracy was terrible. The decision-making was all over the place. If you start him in the NFL, he's going to look like a lost puppy dog. He's going to have no idea what's going on. That was not the case. Was Richardson's day perfect? Of course it wasn't. But he looked like a he looked like a regular first-round pick quarterback. There was no, like, massive learning curve for him, and he w- he wasn't, like, catastrophic to the team just because he was out there. Like, it sounded like some people were talking about him going into the draft. I thought right. that he looked ready. He looked ready for this moment. Uh, you know, when he got announced as the starter, I think a lot of people, again, were freaking out because they were like, there's no way what we saw last year at Florida is going to be ready to start in the NFL week one. And it was! It was great. All things considered, led the team in rushing yards. He had 10 attempts, 40 yards, 4.0 rushing yard average. Um, Had that rushing touchdown, 24 for 37 passing, 223 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. How do I have the quarterback stats up right now? I don't. Hold on. Give me a second. I want to see what the initial passing grades were. I know he wasn't super high, but. I thought he just looked. I know it's it's like very cliche but i thought he just looked like an nfl quarterback the way he can run through tacklers the way he can you can put something on his plate he i think what richardson what's fascinating to me is yes he's raw yes he has his misses all that he's the guy that could do the most with less right now because of his physical ability like there was times today where bryce just 100 he just couldn't do much partially because of what's around him but partially you know his decisions and stuff same with CJ. CJ was just stuck because he didn't have a lot around him. But Richardson, it's like, man, he doesn't have a lot around him, and he can just make something happen because of how physically gifted he is. He he raises the floor, right? I mean, I yes. think a lot of people on Twitter have been talking about things like that. When you have that rushing ability, it raises the floor of what you could do with as a quarterback. And I, I just I, it, what matters most to me is that Richardson looked fine. Richardson looked fine, and he had them in that game. Jacksonville's a, a, a playoff team from last year with a lot of talent, and they're going to be better this year. And Richardson had them in that game to put them in a position to win without Jonathan Taylor. And I think that that's, that's huge. And I, I felt like that spoke volumes of Richardson. Um, let's get to the four o'clock games. The first one, we have to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers and the Miami Dolphins first. This game was sick. You know, when you started the podcast and you were like, wow, the, you know, the, the four o'clock games, they were coming down to the wire. It was exciting. This is the game that I think that you were mainly talking about here. Dolphins end up winning in LA 36 to 34. Tua has uh, probably the best game of his career by my mark. He wasn't obviously like the numbers of 28 for 45 completions. That's not great, but 466 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. He threw one interception. The initial numbers here that we have on him is nine big-time throws from Tua Tagovailoa. That is without... Now, some of those might go down. Like like I said, they do rechecks and regrades and everything before they kind of make them final uh, sometime on Monday. But 
it's not like it's going to go from nine to three. You know, it's still going to be right. very high, whether it's nine or whether it's seven or whether whatever it is. I mean, that we is, watched the game. Like that's got to be by far the most big time it. throws that he's yeah. ever had in a game. I mean, he was sick. And to me, that's what mattered most. That is what mattered most in this game is that Tua looked legit. Does Tua have the arm strength that Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes or Anthony Richardson or whoever, does he have that kind of arm talent to him where if he is hesitant on a read, he can see something, fit the football in a football-sized window in the blink of an eye? No, he doesn't have a frozen rope arm. That's not Tua. But what we saw today is how awesome it can look when he's throwing with confidence because this dude throws with touch, he throws with accuracy, and he throws with timing. You're always going to question the arm strength. You're always going to question the arm strength. If you want to look at that with Tua, which is an important part of playing the position. I'm not saying that it's not. But if you want to sit here and say he doesn't have a strong arm, you will be able to argue that for his entire career. All I'm saying is, even though that's true, be careful how hard your stance is because you might miss him doing something awesome like we saw this past weekend where the accuracy, the confidence, the touch is beautiful. And I don't want anybody out there telling me that it's just because he has Tyreek Hill, okay? Tyreek Hill, yes, is the fastest player in the game. But when Tyreek Hill is running as fast as he is, that only means that your timing, your accuracy, and your ball placement, your rhythm, everything has to be that much more confident because the margin for error is lower because he's running so fast. That last touchdown that he threw in the corner right over the shoulder, I think it was J.C. Jackson, just straight into the bucket, showed you the kind of day that Tua had as a passer without being able to say, oh, it was just Tyreek speed. So that's my rant, rant over. What mattered most to me, Tua was legit today. I hope we get to see it from him for the rest of the season. Dolphins offense is an absolute unit. Mike, they got a great engineer in Mike McDaniel. They got a good point guard in Tua. They obviously have incredible speed at every skill position. And with all that being said, there is no excuse for Brandon Staley's defense to allow this performance. That's what matters most to me. Look at Miami's going to do that. Miami's going to go off on a lot of teams. Like they're they're equipped to do that. You can't give up this, right? Because of the timeline you're on, if you're the Chargers, you hit it out of the park on your quarterback pick. You have a star in Justin Herbert, right? Who is now entering his prime. You have an aging wide receiver in Keenan Allen, who's still phenomenal. Mike Williams, Quinn Johnson, Austin Eckler, who's probably not going to be there next year. Right. And even if he, whether he comes back, whatever they, I don't, I don't like windows. Right. But the timeline they have built, they're ready. Theoretically, the chargers. They, yeah, they should be. They, they should, should be ready. Be. Yep. They, they have the offense. We saw it today. They were awesome today on offense. Brandon Staley is there to not only be the head coach of the team, but to put out a capable defensive unit. And they're they're horrendous. I mean, the Dolphins didn't even have Teron Armstead in this game. No pass rush. No pass rush. Nothing against Kendall Lamb, who did a very admirable job. But you're telling me that they couldn't rush the passer and they gave up 8 million yards? I understand if Tua went off for 300 and had a day and all this. I mean, it wasn't even close to that. So... Damn, they didn't have a sack? 
They didn't, didn't even one. sniff Tua in this game. Brandon Staley. I mean, he only had two QB. Hits. If not now, when? Like, how much does this guy need? Yeah, no, for I'm this I'm, team I'm to win you. the big games. This team should be winning the big games, and because of his defense, they don't. So I'm. It actually pisses me off because the Chargers should be so much better than this. Honestly. No, I hear you. Like, it's cool that you were the guy that, like, didn't punt and you had the videos and all that. Defense looks awful. Chargers oh. deserve better. They deserve better. Yeah, I. this is, you know, I think everybody knows that Staley's on the hot seat. It's not a good start. Not a good even, start. Even if you tip your cap and say that the Dolphins, you give the Dolphins the credit they deserve. And they do deserve credit. The defense, man, you got to, you, yeah, it's got to come from somewhere, man. Defense has got to step up somehow. Um, this was a surprising result, this next one. Los Angeles Rams get the dub in Seattle. Decisively. Over the Seahawks, 30 to 13. Connor, how the hell did it? Dude, Puka Nakua. Oh, man. Tutu Atwell. Tutu Atwell. Respect his name, Trevor. I'll never. Best second round pick I've ever seen. That's how you draft. <laughs> I never doubted that pick. Shut up. Uh, all right. So what was your... <laughs> <laughs> We've never missed on a prospect. <laughs> We've never missed on a prospect. I just want Every time I look up, Daniel know. Jones is getting hit. Every time I look up. Oh, things insane. are going good. Um, things are going well. All right. What, what, what mattered most from you from this game? That the Rams hitting on picks like Puka Nakua is how they are going to turn this roster around. The Rams, it, like it's it was fun and they won a Super Bowl and they're like the F them picks and they got the shirts and like it's awesome, right? The Rams won a Super Bowl. It all worked. But now as we go into phase two, like F them picks gets left behind. It's now, oh, we actually really like these picks and need to hit on some of them. And this is how you do it. Because everybody, including myself included, clowns the Rams' top-heavy roster, right? They are like the top heavy, one of the most top-heavy NFL rosters I've ever seen because they have a really good quarterback. They, unfortunately, is hurt, but they have an elite wide receiver, and they have one of the best defensive linemen the game has ever seen in Aaron Donald. Then you look at the rest of the roster, and you're like, oh, wow. Like, what happened here? Well, they didn't have picks for a long time. And you got to hit on these depth picks. And I thought we laugh about Tutu Atwell, but him and notably Puka Nakua looked the part today. They looked the part against a really good Seattle team. I, I, don't, I don't really know what to make of this game from Seattle's point of view. I don't. Um, I think this is a result from Seattle that I'm not going to overreact to. And I don't really have a take on. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, my, my, what matters most is very similar to kind of what you were saying. And I'll spin it a little bit more towards a forward-thinking draft perspective. If Matthew Stafford's healthy for all 17 games, Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay are way too good for this team to be anywhere near picking Caleb Williams or Drake May. You know, you, yep. you, you look at this roster, at, straight up, this is one of the worst rosters in the NFL. There's no question about it. Starter level, depth, ever, like even with Aaron Donald included. This is one of the worst rosters in the NFL. There is, you know, actually, I don't, I don't know. I shouldn't say it like that. This is one of the most unproven rosters in the NFL. 
just guys that are journeymen or young players that don't have a ton of experience or guys who are on their second or third stint or like whatever. This is a makeshift group, man. All right, two more games. The New England, New England Patriots and Philadelphia Eagles. Gonna be gonna be straight up with you. Gonna keep it a buck. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the hell happened in this game. Like, I don't I, I don't really even have a take in this game. Eagles won 25 to 20. Mac Jones actually felt like he lit it up. I think we had him with five big time throws by the end of the game on the initial count. And yet, still not enough for the Patriots to win. It felt like the Eagles played their worst game possible and they still got the W. To me, they're just, I don't know. I i, I didn't really have a strong take here in this game. What about you, Connor? I mean, this is the game I might have watched the most of and the Patriots just put themselves in such a bad hole out of the gate with mistakes, which is very unlike, you know, Belichick team, you would think. They they made mistake after mistake to put them in this massive 16 to nothing hole. Yeah. I think the Eagles side to me, is that I'm really going to keep an eye on like which how big of a deal was Shane Steichen to the offense, right? And it's week one. It could just be Russ. Jalen Hurts is going to be fine. They got great offensive talent. They have great defensive talent. But it's the one thing I will like. It, was it a one-week thing or will this be a pattern? I think that's what we'll be watching. But it just goes to show you, like you said, Trevor, the Eagles had played as badly as the Eagles could probably play and they still won. Wait, Jalen Carter got a sack? I mean, how much did he play? They were rotating like crazy. Like crazy. Oh my gosh. I'm just I'm just watching like a clip and he if very first play of the regular season, he just eats this dude's lunch. What he had a 32% pass rush win rate? What? I guess he didn't play a lot. What? He really I don't think he played much. No, he didn't. He Brother. He had 38 snaps, but okay. the, but Dar- like to put it in perspective, like Darius Slay led the defense with 78. 38 snaps. How many were pass rush snaps? Can you see that? 33, I want to say. 32. Yes, yeah, so he, he was a, he he was and he kicking got a sack ass. and he had a, and he had a 32 percent pressure rate. Uh, Jalen Carter pretty good at football. Holy cow, man, that's insane. Yeah. That's my takeaway. My yeah. one thing that matters most is you should fear. Jalen Carter. Yeah, he's already already going to be an elite player. That's insane. Uh, all right, last game we're talking about. Green Bay Two Packers. Up. We didn't do Raiders Broncos. Oh, we didn't do Raiders Broncos. Yeah. You're right. That could be a quick one. How did I forget about that one? All right. Um, I, yeah, what do, you got? what do you got? What matters most? Jimmy is a way better fit for Josh McDaniels offense than Carr. Like oh, it feels like it's a perfect fit. It was a perfect fit. He looked yeah. so much more comfortable than Carr ever did. Yeah. I will. I know he got hurt at the end of this game by a really bad hit. Like a, a I don't think it was intentional, but it was a, a not the kind of hit they hit, want in the yeah, game anymore. In the head. Yeah, I, I, Jacoby, Jacoby Myers. Myers hit. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. I wonder if New England will regret giving that money to Juju over Jacoby. I'm not saying they will. I'm saying it. I'm wondering. I thought Jacoby Myers looked so in sync with this offense. So in sync, he looked really good. Jimmy looked really comfortable. The Raiders, I don't know how their season will go, but I know that Jimmy is an upgrade at quarterback for what they want to do. I'm not saying he's a better player than Carr, although there's times where it looks that way. But I just think that yeah. you could see it all today. Yeah, I think that I, I agree with you. I, I don't want to steal your what matters most from this one, but I definitely agree that 
Jimmy is more along McDaniel's speed. Um, I don't think that's going to be to the advantage of Devontae Adams fantasy owners. Like, I don't think that you're going to, it's going to be like force feeding Devontae Adams the ball. I don't really, not that he's not going to eat. He's going to have some games where he absolutely goes off. He's still at nine targets in this game, but I just think it's going to be a lot more spread out. It's going to be a lot more balanced. The Raiders are going to score around 20 points a game. Like some weeks it's going to be enough. Some weeks it's not going to be. And I think it's not going to be a lot more than um, the former, but it got it done today, man. I was, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty surprised in this one. I would say on the other side of things, I don't know if Broncos fans are going to be mad at me for this, but I thought it looked better. I did like for every time I was catching the game and every time I was catching Russ on offense, like I thought he looked more confident. I thought he knew where he was going a little bit better with the ball. It didn't end up being a high scoring affair for them, but for game one, of the Sean Payton connection with this offense, I thought it was a step in the right direction. And I think there's a chance that mid season, this offense is really rolling at a much better level than it ever was even last year. So to me, I felt like the Denver Broncos got off on the right foot, but yeah, hat tip to the Raiders. I didn't, (laughs) I did not think that they were going to pull this one out. Yeah. They, um, everything just looks better with Jimmy under center. I agree. And you're, you're right, though. The Broncos, for sure. Things looked better for us. It was not an overly exciting game, to be honest with you. No, it, it was very... Yeah, it was a, it, it was low-ceiling game. The Broncos played explain. everybody on offense. They threw to, like, three or four tight ends. They gave every running back touches. Yeah, how many... Uh, All the way down to um, the undrafted kid that made the team, McLaughlin, Jaleel. Yep. Which was One, really two, cool. Like, three, good for him. Four, five, six, seven, Everybody got the nine, ball. 10, 11. 11 different Broncos players got a target. Yeah. You love to share it. You, you love to share the ball around like that. You know, everybody gets involved. Everybody has fun. You know, you sign your kids up to play football. And, you know, you just, you hate it if they, they don't really play a lot. So, it's just, that's what Sean Payton's doing. He's the he's the dad coach of the team. Everybody's getting equal playing time. So, the parents don't call him and they're not mad about it. You know, he's just, he's doing what he needs to do as a coach. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good peewee football coach. Last game, Packers-Bears. Packers 38. Bears 20. Jordan Love picks up the dub in Chicago. So this is a fun little division matchup to start the season. Jordan Love did throw three touchdowns. He was 15 for 27, 245 passing yards. Uh, Aaron Jones felt like was the the hero in this one. He had 86 receiving yards and a touchdown. Um, He also had 41 yards on the ground uh, on just nine carries. So really good averages there, both uh, on the ground and through the air. Justin Fields. Ed, not so good. I mean, he was good as a runner, nine carries, 59 yards. But as a passer, 24 for 37, 216 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. Connor, what would you think? What mattered most from this one? So a stat here from the Chicago side. This mm-hmm. is um, Zach Pearson on Twitter, who covers the Bears, posted this. Justin Fields' pass chart. He had 37 pass attempts today. Only four attempts out of the 37 went past 10 yards. And I just watched this game. Number one, I was very shocked. And I don't say this like in hindsight. I have plenty of picks that are wrong. 
I was shocked that Bears were favored in this game. And even if they wanted to, they wanted to favor them in this game, that's fine. I was shocked how much they were favored over Green Bay in the division odds in books because of the Packers' entire roster. Mm-hmm. I know Jordan loves an unknown, but let's call it like it is. Justin Fields is an unknown coming into this game. He is an is unknown. He? He, he's a fantasy football star last year. We don't know if he's going to be a good passing quarterback, and nothing today showed us that he's the stat I just read. It's two things, Trevor. One, that he's not doing it. But two, the way the Bears come out of the game, they don't even trust him to where they ever dictate the flow of the game. Like, they're always going to be playing from behind if this is how they're living. Jordan Love made mistakes today. Jordan Love also was money on third down and made some big throws when mm-hmm. they needed him to make big throws. In really is like first real game, right? Like, let's call it what it is. This is the Jordan Love era. Aaron Rodgers is gone. Right. Jordan Love had his misses, but on third downs and some big plays, the Packers not only trust him to make big throws, but he trusted himself to make big throws. This was the perfect game to watch somebody side by side, like a young quarterback. We don't know what he is yet compared to Justin Fields, who's kind of the same, but kind of starting to skew that he's not right. Like I'm losing faith quickly, very quickly because Jordan Love trusts himself. Yeah. I don't know if I can say that about Justin Fields right now. Yeah. I, uh, you know, when you said that Justin Fields is unknown, the reason why I say is he is because it's like, are we kind of just figuring things out? Like, is he, we're, we're getting to the point where it might be a known with him. And the known is just the answer that people don't want to hear. Now, Justin's a hell of a talent. And right. Always I, has can been. Certain, I can certainly understand any franchise, whether it's the Bears or anybody else, giving him every chance you possibly yeah. can because he is that uh athletically and physically gifted but i'm with you this game was nothing but a step in the wrong direction in proving that he can be the passer that you need to be to succeed in this league um like i I, i'm i'm hesitant to say this because obviously i haven't watched every snap of these guys but like off first watch i'd tell you that anthony richardson was a better passer today than justin fields was and Anthony Richardson's in game one of his NFL career. Um, and so, yeah, man, uh, we're just, unfortunately, we're digging holes with Justin Fields already this season and uh, didn't want to be doing that. So hopefully he kind of figures it out, turns it around, plays Todd Bowles defense next week. So not great. But the thing that mattered most for me in this one is actually on the opposite side. It's a Jordan Love. Love didn't light the world on fire. I don't even think he had a, a big time throw in this game. Maybe he had one. But he just looked really confident. Like yep. there were multiple times where I was watching the game and I actually got this one on a local feed. So I got to see a lot of this one. Um, There were multiple times where Jordan would look at his first read. It wasn't there. The pressure would come to him. And then he could see that the second read, the second guy in the progression was going to be open, but he needed to accelerate his process to get the ball out and get it to them accurately on time and in a throwing window and a lot of younger guys panic 
either the ball doesn't get where it needs to go, the ball placement is bad, or they're just freaking out. They're tucking and running. They can only think about the pressure around them, and they can't really think about the throw. So they try to tuck it, or they take it a run, or they, they try to do the Madden thing where they go all the way outside the pocket and try to go to the sideline. Love, I felt like, had a couple of times where when he was getting to that second or third read in his progression, the pressure was kind of starting to come towards him, but he didn't panic, and he still was able to deliver the ball. That was a great sign to me. So I thought that, no, he didn't have a vintage 400-yard, four-touchdown Aaron Rodgers type of game, but he played really well in his first, I think, big-time start with all the pressure and all the eyes on him, with him being the man this season. Uh, And I thought he handled it really well. I thought he handled it with a lot of confidence, and that confidence is the thing that matters most to me moving forward with love. I thought so, too. I'd rather see a guy trust himself and fail but then bounce back then with like once again i hate to harp on fields because a lot of young guys go through this I, they do but i fields we talk about it so much because he's he was he's always had the talent he was drafted really obviously very early and he's he's been given this chance and it's just you're right it was the perfect game to kind of see that weird balance where i'm like man jordan love looks like yeah, there's going to be warts and hurdles, but you're seeing glimpses of Jordan Love where you're like, okay, when he starts to kind of dial into more of that, I know I have a guy that can can do it. And with the other side of the ball, it just felt like you're like, God, here we go again. It's the same thing. So it was a fascinating game to watch. It really was from that perspective. All right, Sunday Night Football update. The game is at halftime. I've watched none of it. Uh, Cowboys 26, Giants nothing. Cowboys oh. defense is so fast. It's insane. It's insane how fast they are. Daniel Jones has, is 5 for 13. Jeez. Yeah, he's been hit like a thousand times. Two pay- All right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're looking at stats. We're looking at stats. S- there's been a touchdown scored by every phase. Dude. Special teams, defense, and offense. Four sacks already for the Cowboys defense. We've got seven QB hits. Stephon Gilmore's got a pick. Is not good. Is not good for the G-Man. If you're a Giants fan, listen to this. I'm sorry. At least we waited till the end for you. Um, we would love to hear from you guys. Let us know what you thought on the weekend that was in the NFL for week one. Uh, Tell us what you thought of our What Matters Most, and we would love to hear what matters most from you. We know that you're an NFL fan listening to this podcast. We know that your favorite team has played at some point, unless they're Monday Night Football, then you can save it for next week if you want to. But we would love to hear what matters most from you. You can even give us takes on multiple teams. We would love to hear it. Best way to do that is on the YouTube channel and uh, in the comments to this very video, www.youtube.com backslash at NFL Stock Exchange. If you're audio only, you can give us your what matters most by hitting us up on Twitter or Instagram at Tampa Bay Trey at Connor J. Rogers. Um, Connor, a lot of takes today. A lot of takes, but anything else before we get out of here that we need to remind the people of? I think I'll close on this. Like week one lies all the time. So I tried not to have takes that are totally from week one, besides the good ones. Like I want to be positive positive about Rashid Shahid, right? Like there's things you wanna 
you're excited about. Uh, Paris Johnson, awesome debut. Week one lies a lot. So I think the goal, you and I, Trevor, always try not to be like, oh my God, like that team's doomed because of one bad week one. But there were plenty of things. It was interesting. Look, it was I, uh look, I completely know? I completely agree with you. Tua Tungo is gonna win MVP. Yep. Uh the Pittsburgh Steelers are gonna pick number one overall. Yep. Like it's all, you know, it's it's uh, nothing nothing tells the truth more like week one. Baker Mayfield's getting a Geno Smith extension. Baker Mayfield's getting a Patrick Mahomes. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that would Appreciate be your Bobby Bonilla contract. And watching Wait, the show. <laughs> That's a we wrap. would love to uh, hear from you guys on what you would love to hear from this channel. Uh, I know some of you have talked about, hey, can you devote some time to some rookies who are getting into the NFL, playing for the first time, whether it's the quarterbacks or things like that. Um, maybe we'll end up switching the Monday format instead of a what matters most. Maybe we'll get into some rookie performances if that's what you guys want to see from this channel. Uh, Wednesday, well, yeah, Wednesday's show is going to be a li little bit more draft focus yeah. like we're gonna we're gonna look back on college football and what was we're going to talk about a lot of the stock up stock downs we're going to give you a ton of the segments that we sort of introduced last week but we're going to build off of those as well so if you've got more draft related topics things you would want to hear let us know on that as well but um dude if you got anything else speak now or forever no. hold your peace we'll be back in the middle of the week that's the beauty of it we don't have to cram it all in like a sardine can we get to do this thing twice. Yeah, normally, just so you guys know, what we're thinking for the schedule is 9.30 p.m. on Mondays and Wednesdays is when we're going to release the episodes. Tonight, it was obviously a Sunday night one, um, or we're recording Sunday night, because Connor's got to work Monday night football. But normally, it's going to be Monday nights at 9.30, Wednesday nights at 9.30. That's yeah. what we're going to give it to you. So we wanted to get a centralized time so you guys can remember, hey, 9.30, Mondays and Wednesdays. That's the time that you get to listen to NFL Stock Exchange. So uh, we will see you guys on Wednesday for more NFL draft and college football updates. I'm Trevor Sikkima. That's Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. See you on Wednesday.